Hey guys, it's Clay. Welcome back to another episode. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, my first video slash podcast of the new year. Decided to take a little bit of time off over Christmas. I also have just been having this really weird feeling lately, like I feel a little unmotivated. So I'm trying to kind of work through that. There's always new things to talk about, always new things to discuss, but I'm trying to figure out some kind of a focus, I guess, moving forward. What am I doing? So last night, I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about today. I went through my audio questions, which I, I like to do when I'm feeling a little bit uninspired. And I had this question right here. So first of all, let's just take a listen. Hi, I have a question about sleeping. At night, my brain just, it won't stop basically. Constantly think of new stuff and just go over problems in my head going over insights and stuff like that and it affects my sleep because I end up feeling really hungover in the morning like, I feel like I've been hit by a truck every time I wake up because I go to bed late is there, is there any chance you, you could like give advice about how to improve your sleep how, how do you stop the brain from thinking because I just want it to shut up so I can get some sleep anyway have, have a good day sir thanks for the question and the idea, because I'm not sure I would have talked about this unless somebody asked me. I've done actually a lot of work in my life on sleep. And I have a lot of systems, rules that I follow in order to guarantee a good sleep. Because I don't know if you're like me, you know, one thing about me is that I need a good sleep. And I need a certain amount of sleep. Otherwise, I'm just a bit of a, a wreck, a disaster. I just get brain fog. My, I can't work properly. So it's, it's something I really know about myself. Sleep's important. I treat it really seriously. I always have. But over the years, I've actually come up with a lot of rules that I follow quite religiously in order to guarantee a good sleep. So today I'm going to dive into kind of my 12 rules that I wrote down here, my 12 steps to guaranteeing better sleep. So to start things off, a bit of a disclaimer, I'm no sleep expert, you know, I am not a doctor, I have not been trained in this, but I do do a lot of experiments on myself and I like to research and read things. So sleep is one thing that I've done quite a bit of research on. So before I jump into sort of my 12 ideas on how to get better sleep, first of all, I wanted to talk about overthinking a little bit. I think that overthinking is a big part of why people don't sleep. You know, you get into bed, all of a sudden your brain's like, hey, this is a perfect time to start worrying about everything. I'm not sure what it is about nighttime. At night, all of a sudden everything seems to get a little worse. You know, you, you have some problems, you have some worries, and all of a sudden those things are just like amplified a little bit. So what is overthinking and why do we do it? For some reason, for me, overthinking pops up the most at nighttime. And so I'm actively always trying to get a wrap on that. Like, how can I get that under control? How can I get my overthinking under control? Um, a lot of people talk about overthinking like it's just this horrible, bad thing. I actually don't think that's the case. I think if you're an intelligent person that thinks about the future, thinks about all the things in your life, thinks about all the things you're trying to do, like you're goal-orientated, like you're trying to work towards stuff, or maybe you're just trying to figure things out, thinking comes along with all that. So thinking is a good thing. Trying to figure things out is a good thing. Analyzing the world, analyzing people, analyzing ideas, 
and then trying to come to some kind of conclusions so you can have action steps to move forward. That's a really great thing. A lot of people can't even do that. However, there's a bad side of that as well because if you allow that to get out of control and sort of ruminate on things that are unsolvable or let's say you don't have enough information about something and now you can't come to a conclusion and you just keep thinking and thinking and thinking. It's like a circular process. You know, that's not healthy. Or, you know, if you have so much stuff to do and your mind is just full of information and cluttered and, you know, you feel disorganized and I know that feeling. I have some solutions to that problem I'll talk about. So our brains are so funny, right? Like we can train ourselves to associate things with other things. It's sort of like, you know, you smell something. Let's say you're out in the city somewhere and you smell something and it reminds you of something else that also had that smell, right? And our brains automatically put these events and things together and all of a sudden you're reminded of your grandmother's house or something like that just from a smell. It's amazing how our brain will associate certain things with other things. And what you really don't want to do is have your brain associating bed or lying down with, hey, it's time to think. Really what the underlying goal of all these things is when you lay down in bed, your brain says, oh, it's time to sleep. And your brain triggers the sleep process, not the it's time to think process. So without further ado, let's jump into my 12 ideas, rules, ways, things that I incorporate into my life that I think helps my sleep and helps me get better sleeps. So the first thing I kind of want to mention here is the overthinking. I have a feeling that a lot of people don't give themselves any time during the day to sit and process information, process their feelings, process their thoughts, just to ponder. I think a lot of people don't do that. I mean, they're just busy, busy, busy all day long. So they might just rush out of the house in the morning, straight to work, work hard all day, you know, just have people around you. And then, you know, they get home and maybe they're on their phone, um, you know, they're watching movies. And it's like there's never really just a quiet moment in the day to sit and process your thoughts. So this is something I wonder. If you don't give your mind time to sit and ruminate and think and process. It, it's sort of like maintenance. Like I think your brain needs to maintain itself. It needs to work a lot of this self, stuff out. And so then if you haven't given yourself this time during the day, when you get into bed, maybe now it's like your brain hasn't had the opportunity to do this stuff during the day. So for me, I like to give myself time during the day to think, to process my information, to work on stuff. And I think there's a number of ways you can do this. I don't want to pigeonhole and say, you know, one way is better than the other. I think one way could just be going to therapy, talking, working through stuff. It could be talking to a friend. It could just be sitting in a room and thinking. I've actually heard, there's this really smart guy named Naval, you can find him on Twitter, it's at Naval, it's spelled N-A-V-A-L. His meditation, he, meditation is a very important thing to him, but it's funny because I noticed that his type of meditation is different than a lot of other people's meditation. His meditation is just sitting there and letting his mind do whatever it wants for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, up to an hour sometimes, he says. It's basically just letting your mind run wild with your eyes closed and letting your brain think it out. So by the end of it, Everything's been thought about. Everything's 
maybe a little better. So that's one type of sort of meditation that I've heard people do. And I like to do that. I do that a lot while I'm driving or when I'm doing sports or working out, I find. I just think and I work through stuff. And then my girlfriend Lexi, me and her talk a lot during the day and we kind of, we both work from home. Um, we'll work through things, talk about various ideas. So a big part of my day is doing that. But I've noticed that certain people, they don't prioritize it or maybe they think it's a waste of time or they keep everything closed up inside of them and never let it out. So another side of this could be more mindfulness. So I realize meditation in general is sort of like a trendy thing to talk about these days. But I have noticed, I've been doing Sam Harris's, uh, he's got this app called Waking Up, and you have to pay for it. It is one thing. I think there's other ones maybe you don't have to pay for. But the thing I like about Sam Harris is he's not religious. So all of the meditations are just, they're they're more practical. It's about your mind and your brain and analyzing your thoughts and consciousness, like what is it? And um, I found by going through his app, and there's sort of these guided meditations, that I've learned a lot about my own mind. And almost, I've learned the ability to observe my own thoughts, if that makes sense. And to observe when I'm overthinking. So now if I'm ever getting into this place where I'm overthinking, you know, I'm laying in bed at three in the morning. It seems to be I sometimes will wake up in the middle of the night and start thinking if I am going to have a problem. And it's stopping that, it's like recognizing the process of overthinking. It's observing those thoughts and trying to watch them dissipate and then focusing on your breathing, focusing on something that kind of clears your mind. Anyway, just wanted to mention that I've been doing it. I'm no expert at it yet, but I find that it's drastically helped already. And, you know, I I do it for a bit and then I kind of fall off the wagon and then I do it again. And I always find when I actually am doing it, I feel more centered. I feel like my mind is clear. Um, I feel less crazy. So there's kind of those two sides, two different types of meditation, right? I think both things are very useful tools on kind of getting control of your mind. I've been joined by Lola. She actually has her own Instagram. It's called Lola the Rex, if you wanna follow her. But she's a funny cat. She alternates between like super cuddly and then a super parkour crazy cat, just like running around like a wild person. So the second thing I want to talk about here, that kind of goes along with the overthinking, is I've noticed that I feel quite crazy when I've got too much stuff in my brain. So that could be too many ideas, too many things I'm trying to figure out. Maybe there's some kind of problem in my life that I really need to solve. Um, Or it could be tasks and things that I have to do. And if I have too many things just sitting in my brain, I'm trying to remember all these things. Otherwise, you know, I might forget. I find that that raises my anxiety, especially at night. Like if I'm laying in bed and it's like, oh, I got 30 things to do. I'm trying to remember and trying to think through them. The biggest thing I can recommend for this is just to write stuff down. So I write a lot of stuff down. I will type into my phone in the notes app. I will write in notebooks. I will write on the iPad a lot too with this thing. So I've got my iPad right here with all my video notes. I like writing, I've noticed, better than typing, but you know, when I'm out and about and I've, 
I think of something I got to do, I pull out my phone and I type it in. So I am a big believer in putting things in my calendar, all the things that I have to do. Really important for me. I find as soon as I add an item to the calendar, it's like a weight off my chest. I'm a big believer in writing down to-do lists. You know, I got to-do lists for everything. Like I got things I got to do to the house, th things I got to do personal, business, things I want to read. I got grocery lists. I got to-buy lists. Literally, I've probably got six or seven different to-do lists. Maybe that sounds overwhelming to some people, but for me, I feel like once it's on the list, I can relax. It's, I can let it out of my brain. So ideas are another really big thing. So as soon as I think of anything, and that, that could be anything. It could be like a tweet. It could be a couple sentences, just a thought. Or it could be something longer, like a longer form, like 500 words on something. Or it could be like a rant. Or, you know, I write poems a lot. A lot of people don't know that because I don't really show, it, show them to anybody. But I like to write poems, especially like late at night when I'm feeling contemplative. I feel like that's a good way to get things out of me. Another thing that I'll do is I'll actually write letters to people sometimes just to formulate my thoughts. I don't even send them all the time. Actually, I usually don't. Um, it could just be how I feel or what, you know, it could be anything. But there's something about writing to me that sorts my thoughts. You know, when it's in your brain, it's just like this jumble. It's like, you know, alphabet soup. And when you actually try to write it down, it forces you to formulate it into these concrete ideas. I find for myself that doing that clears my mind like nothing else. And you know, sometimes I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden I realize like, oh, I'm late on doing this. I really have to do this thing. And then I start ruminating on it. I'm like, here's all there's like four things I got to remember. Like the best thing I can do at that point is to grab my phone or grab a notepad even better beside my bed and just write it down. And then as soon as it's written down, it's amazing how much better I feel and the overthinking sometimes stops just from that. So, big thing, write, start writing stuff down. You know, some people call it journaling. I, I don't, I don't have a journal, but I do have a lot of notebooks, thousands of notes in my notes app on my phone, just, and I got all these different folders, so I have quotes, I, I see a quote that I like, I got a whole quotes, folder. Um, tweets and writings and business stuff. And um, even when people phone me, I just write it down as they say it so I don't have to remember it. Try it. You'll be amazed. So the third thing that I find really helps with my sleep is to have this cool down time at the end of the day, like a chill time. It doesn't have to be super long. I feel like it has to be at least a half an hour though half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, at the end of the day, where I just try to do things that doesn't use my brain a lot. So just try to relax. I kind of find that that time is more about what I don't do than what I actually do. You know, I try not to have intense discussions with somebody at that time of night. More often than not, I find it's better if we can say, listen, how about we continue this discussion in the morning? Everything just feels better in the morning to me. So another thing is I don't read stuff that might upset me. Like, don't go reading the news at 10 p.m. Try not to scroll through Twitter, unless your Twitter is a source of positivity. But 
you know, a lot of people seem to focus on the negative stuff in social media. Don't do that at night. You know, that just gets you worked up, gets your mind going. I find that things like programming right until the time I go to bed is a bad idea. Sometimes, you know, I've got something I have to finish, right? And a program till midnight and you're trying to figure things out, problem solving, and it's like, it's not conducive to going to sleep. That's for sure. It's the opposite. It gets my mind going instead of shutting it down. So I try to avoid tasks like that, really logic, like really uh, you know, problem solving type tasks right before bed. So what do I do instead? Oftentimes I'll just watch 30 minutes to 45 minutes of a movie or TV at night. So that's about all I really get during the day. Um, I don't watch TV during the day any other time. I just feel like I have other things that I'm trying to do. But right before bed, <clears throat> I'll throw on a movie. And sometimes it takes us like three nights, four nights to get through a movie that way. But it's almost like we turn like a two hour movie into like three episodes. But I find just sitting there, you know, that slows me down, chills me out. So another thing along with this bedtime routine is I find that there's a sweet spot of when I should go to bed. And it's usually a half an hour here, a half an hour. It could be like within the span of an hour. And I find if I go to bed during that time, like for me, if I go to bed between 10.30 and 11.30, you know, it usually these days ends up closer to 11 to 11.30, I feel okay the next day. If I can get to sleep by 10.30, I actually feel really good. Um, but what I've noticed is if I go over that 11.30 mark and now it's like 12, 12.30, I feel like garbage the next day. So there does seem to be this, this sweet spot where if I get to bed by this certain time, it doesn't have to be an exact time, but with this window, I feel so much better the next day. So it takes a little bit of discipline because sometimes, you know, I can get I can lose track of time and I'm doing stuff and work on things. I'm like, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, it's like 1130. I, I need to go to bed. I will actually put alarms on my phone every day. That's like, it's, it's, a, it's in my calendar and it says time to go to bed. And it pops up on my Apple watch because it's one of the main reasons why I use the Apple watch is just so that it reminds me of these types of things. So throughout the day, my various calendar items, it's like buzzes me on my wrist and it's like, oh, it's time to go to bed. It takes a little bit of discipline when you get that notification. It's like time to get ready for bed or time to start slowing down um, to actually do it. You have to listen to it. So the fourth thing here I'm gonna talk about is like sleep training of yourself. Uh, maybe you've had a child and you've done sleep training as well. And you kind of know that these routines and doing certain things help your kids sleep better. Well, you can do the same thing for yourself. So I'll tell you a story. It was probably a while ago now. I want to say maybe like eight years ago, I was going through a time in my life where, you know, I had a baby, uh, you know, that was our first child. So, you know, all of a sudden I found myself with a lot less time in my life. I was starting my business around that time too. So I had a lot of work to do and I just found that I didn't have enough time during the day to actually get all my work done because I was also working this other job. I was working with my dad. I was trying to start my own business and I was, I was really scrounging for time to work on things. And I started to wonder, at the time I was sleeping a lot. I was in bed nine, 10 hours sometimes and I wasn't sleeping well. I, I found that you know it would take me a long time to get to sleep. 
Um, in the morning, you know, I might lay in bed for 30 minutes and just waste 30 minutes. So I started to actually research and I found this one blog and it was kind of a ghetto blog. I don't even know if I could find it anymore because it was so long ago. But this guy was really interested in sleep and he had all these different ideas you could try. And with the goal of cutting your sleep back for one, so now you can get an extra hour a day but also sleeping better. So even though maybe you're sleeping a little less, you're sleeping, you have a higher quality sleep and you actually end up more rested than if you had slept nine hours with a bad sleep. So I remember being quite intrigued by this. So I, I went on this sort of experimentation phase for quite a while. I probably did this for about a year. The one routine that I settled on of his, he had a couple different ones. Like the most basic was called the early riser. Um, there was another one that's like biphasic sleep, which is getting more advanced. You need to have a very specific lifestyle in order to do that. So anyway, I realized I couldn't do biphasic sleep. So I went on to this early riser routine. And the idea of this is you can cut your sleep back a little bit. And the, the one rule for this routine is you have to get up at the same time every day. Not so easy for a lot of people because they like to sleep in on the weekends, sleep in on a holiday. But literally, you get up, let's say you choose 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever it is. I chose 6 a.m. at first because I, I wanted an extra hour or two of work in the day. Instead of getting up at 7, 7.30, and then starting work, um, I wanted to get up at 6. So the idea is your alarm goes off at 6 or whatever time you choose, and you immediately put your feet on the floor and you sit up, and then you stand up. You do not lay in bed, you do not hit the snooze button. So you have to really want this if you wanna do this because that's hard. For me, I love hitting the snooze button once or twice. I'm sure everybody does. But the funny thing is about the snooze button is if you're actually trying to get more time in your life and you sleep an ex you, know, you doze around for an extra 10, 20 minutes in bed, you're not really getting good quality sleep during that time anyway and you're probably just wasting your time. So the idea is, alarm goes off, you put your feet on the floor and get up. So along with this, when you're getting up at an exact time every day, you go to bed when you're feeling quite tired. You don't go to bed just because, oh, it's time to go to bed. You're trying to pick a time at the end of the night where, like let's say you're reading a book and your eyes are starting to close because you're, you're tired and that's the time that you go to bed. So these are the two rules for these for these two things, along with a proper bedtime routine, like I said, not doing anything intense, and you know, reading is a great thing to do before bed. So anyway, I started doing this routine. I cut my sleep back from eight to nine hours at night. That's how long I was in bed. I cut it back to seven hours. So I'd go to bed at 11, wake up at six. And at first it was hard, but what I noticed pretty quickly was that my body really locked onto this routine. And I started to just naturally wake up at six eventually. So it was like, you know, 5.55, I looked at the clock. Oh, it's, it's time to get up. I started to not even need my alarm. When you actually do that every single day, it, it trains your body that it's time to get up. So from there, I started to actually back it up and to see how much sleep do I really need. So eventually, I backed it up only to six hours of sleep at night. And... I eventually realized that six hours was too little for me. You know, some people though are able to do that and they function just fine. So for me, six hours wasn't enough. I found 
that if I can get seven, seven and a half, that feels good for me. And that's a little more than some people. Like there's other there's people that try this stuff and they, you know, they back up to like five hours of sleep. Is that healthy? I don't know. But the point is, it's sort of experimenting on yourself to see how much sleep do you really need. So here's the really interesting thing. There was this side effect that happened as I was doing this. At night, because I was getting up quite early, I feel like the, the idea is that your body knows, oh, I have to get up in seven hours. I better go to sleep. Um, I started falling asleep very quickly. So let's say before it took me 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to fall asleep. When I started doing this, it literally got, it got to the point where I could fall asleep in 30 seconds when I hit the pillow. So I'd lay down, sometimes even less, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And it actually got to the point where it was almost humorous because somebody could be talking to me, um, my partner at the time, she could be actually talking to me, or I could talk to her, I could lay down on the bed, and then as she starts responding, I'm already asleep, and then I wake up and I'm like, how come you're talking to me, I'm sleeping? And she's like, are you kidding me? You just said something 15 seconds ago. So it got to the point where I was falling asleep very quickly. And so here is the really ironic thing about that, is that even when I stopped, so eventually I kind of relaxed on the sleep schedule. And I, I've been wondering lately if I should start it again. But I haven't been getting up at the same time every day anymore. You know, on weekends, if I get the chance, I'll probably stay in bed an extra hour. But the thing that's never gone away is that ability to fall asleep instantly. So even now, literally my whole life before that sleep training, it took me a while to fall asleep. And... I did that like 10 years ago, even now, right now. At night, I lay my head on the pillow and I'm usually sleeping in less than a minute. I say that to people and they think I'm lying or making it up, but I'm not. And I'm still a little bit confused, amazed by that, that that was the side effect of doing that sleep train. So, you know, if you wanna to learn to fall asleep quickly, maybe try that, do some experimentation on yourself. You could probably Google this stuff, um, like an early riser routine and I mean, it's pretty simple though. It's just wake up at the same time every day. I think our brains like routine. And so when it knows, and it can almost create this rule that, oh, it's 11, time to go to sleep. Um, I think our brains can really latch onto that. Okay, number five. I feel like the rest of them aren't as long. But number five for me is working out and doing sports. Um, I find it's really important if I, if I sit around too much or I <clears throat> don't move my body, I just find that my sleep quality kind of goes down. Maybe I'm more restless at night, you know, wake up more, you know, more tossing and turning. But I find if I work out hard, I, I do a lot of climbing, which I find is a really fun way. You can go to the climbing gym and work out and climb. It's a really fun way to get a workout. You know, I also do a lot of mountain biking. I snowboard in the winter. I love, love going kite surfing. We have a lake here. So I really like all the board sports, to be honest. But I kind of have a rule where I like to try to move my body in some way every day. So that could be a hard workout. That could be going and doing a sport. It could be just going for a hike. So just some type of movement. You know, it could even just be if I find that I haven't done anything in a day, just sitting down at the end of the day and doing some stretching, I find really helpful. But I find if I do this stuff, 
for whatever reason, I just sleep better. My muscles are tired. They need time to regenerate and build. You know, if you work out and you actually tear your muscle fibers, your body actually uses a lot of energy to repair that. So, you know, sleep becomes more important. And as a side effect, you just have better sleeps, I find. So number six is caffeine. Something I've noticed for myself, and I guess everybody's different, but I've noticed that if I drink caffeine in the afternoon or evening, my sleep gets worse. And I've, I've tried this multiple times to kind of experiment and see what happens. So as a rule for myself now, I will allow myself caffeine, whether that's like green tea or coffee or anything like that. I'll allow myself to drink that until lunchtime. After lunch, no more caffeine for the rest of the day. You know, unless it's something like chocolate or something. There's a little bit of caffeine or like things like that. I don't worry about that, but actually drinking things that have caffeine. And I've noticed for myself that when I have experimented and can I drink an iced coffee in the afternoon? I think it affects my sleep. So try that. If you're a coffee drinker, if you drink any kind of caffeine, you know, even like lots of soft drinks have caffeine in them. Not that I think that's good. Processed sugar, I probably would cut that out as well. But Try doing no caffeine after lunch and see if that helps your monkey brain and your just restlessness, because um, it might help. So number seven, this is something that I've heard other people say as well, and it's just sort of something that I follow, and it's that no screens, no TV in bed. Once you get into bed, don't look at your phone, don't bring your iPad, you know, don't have a TV in your bedroom. Again, I think this is one of those things that you can train your brain with. If you train your brain that bed, like this reclined position I'm in, means, oh, time to watch some TV, it's, it's not going to trigger the sleep process. So for me, I don't want that association. I keep bed for two things. The first thing is sleeping. The second thing, I'll let you use your imagination. So number eight is dark and light. Um, and this is something I actually learned with my daughter. You know, I went through this sleep training for her when she was a baby. And, you know, it's funny. We did this stuff for both of our kids. And both our kids have always slept through the night. So my daughter has literally slept through the night since she was six weeks old. My son has slept through the night since he was about eight or ten weeks old. Both of them are just amazing sleepers. Uh, I think that's a whole different topic is training kids to sleep well. There's a lot of things that you can do to screw that up. But one thing that I think is true for babies as well as adults, when you go to sleep, it should be dark. And ideally, it should be pitch black. And so blackout blinds, I'm big on that. But also, um, I use a sleep mask sometimes if it's not dark. Um, or in the summertime, especially when, like, uh, depending on where you live, up in Canada here, it gets light very early in the morning. Usually the sun rises around 4.30 a.m., sort of in the peak, you know, late June. So, you know, 5 a.m., if you've got bad blinds on your windows, or even just normal blinds, the light is leaking in, right? So I've got this sleep mask. So try a sleep mask. Try some blackout blinds. Try getting your room nice and dark and then go to sleep. So number nine, I think, is a big deal for me, and that is temperature. So traditionally, I've always been a hot sleeper. 
And my theory is that most people have too thick or warm of blankets on their bed. And I know it feels nice, like you put this big warm blanket on and it feels really cozy. And you know, maybe if you can bring the temperature down, like let's say you live in a cold place and you can just drop the heat in the night, maybe that works. Unfortunately, I've got other people in my, in my house, you know, that aren't as hot as sleepers as me, so I have to keep the temperature somewhat room temperature. So at night, I'll drop the temperature a little bit. But to combat not getting so hot, I sleep with a very thin blanket. I can't sleep with a normal, like, quilt, for example. So I use a sheet and a thin blanket. And I guess the whole point of this is to say, experiment with different thicknesses of blanket. Like if you have to wake up in the night and you're hot, and you gotta like take the blanket off, stick your feet out, like that is killing your sleep. So I've experimented with you know, different blankets, different thicknesses of blankets, and then different room temperatures to kind of come up with this situation for me where I don't get hot anymore. I can literally put the blanket on, go to sleep, and I don't have to take it off at any point in the night. I did that for probably you know, the first 25 years of my life was sleeping with way too warm of a blanket. I think that can be, temperature I think can be a major contributor to your sleep. Because they say that actually your body temperature changes slightly as you sleep. When you're awake, your body temperature is a little bit warmer. And that as you fall asleep, your body lowers its temperature. And so being too hot I think is another scientific fact that you are not going to sleep as well as if you have a proper temperature. So number 10 is proper nutrition. I think if you're eating a whole bunch of junk food all the time, or maybe you're deficient in certain vitamins and minerals, or you know your neurotransmitters are kind of off, all this stuff obviously can affect your sleep. I'm a big proponent of vitamin D3 or vitamin D in general. Um, in the winter where we live, we just don't get a lot of sun. And the sun, if you're out in the sun, like let's just say you live in like sunny California, you know, you're getting a lot of vitamin D from the sun. I've heard up to 30,000 IUs you can get just from the sun and in, the, in, a, in a day. Um, so you can get pills that give you vitamin D um, I take that religiously in the winter, and, but you can go and get blood and urine testing and they will tell you all the things that you're looking, you know, they'll look at your blood and be like, oh, you're deficient in iron or vitamin D or B or whatever, or you can kind of see what you're, you're good at. I feel like if your body is not working properly, you know, in your whole life, you're just gonna be less efficient. And I think also that could uh, affect your sleep. So check it out, go get uh, your blood work done just to test it out and see if there's anything you're deficient in. So number 11 is a quick one. And I realize not everybody has this in their life, but I find if I go to bed at the same time as my romantic partner, I fall asleep quicker. So. You know, if you're in some kind of a relationship where you go to bed at different times, I think that can affect the quality of your sleep, I find anyway. Especially if now somebody's getting ready for bed at a different time than you, only later than you, and they're waking you up and getting into bed and waking you up. I think going to bed at the same time can be, you know, something that can help for sure. All right, number 12. This one is probably, I don't know, 
maybe more controversial. Um, so my brother-in-law, he's a geneticist, and he does all kinds of interesting things with cannabis. So I live in Canada where all this stuff is legal. I realize there's other places out there where, you know, cannabis products are illegal. So take this with a grain of salt. You know, this is fully legal, what I'm talking about in my country. But I hear, you know, things down in the United States sometimes that it kind of surprises me that, you know, some of these things are illegal. But CBD. So CBD does not have any THC in it, if you don't know what CBD is. So you can actually extract various things from cannabis. Um, you can extract CBD and you can extract THC. So THC is actually the drug. Um, the CBD... You know, I don't even really know what it is. My brother-in-law, you know, he tells me all this complicated stuff that it has to do with the brain and stuff. But CBD is one thing that I've noticed. I've taken it for a long time because he was actually extracting CBD himself in his basement, you know, long before a lot of people had even heard of CBD. But one, so he would give me CBD. One thing I've noticed about CBD is if I take it regularly, it used to really help my depression symptoms. I feel like depression is less of an issue for me these days. There are some scientific explanations out there that go along with CBD and serotonin production and all these things. And certain people have certain neurotransmitter differences and issues where CBD can help them. But I found that regularly taking CBD helped. It helped me. It's like if I could describe what my depression used to feel like. It was like there was a dark storm cloud that would come down on my brain and it was just foggy and I couldn't think. I couldn't see properly. Everything seemed dark and stormy. I don't know for sure. I don't want to make definitive claims, but I would you know, take the CBD and then I wouldn't take it. And when I when I took the CBD, I feel like it would remove that dark cloud feeling from my brain if I took it for at least a week or two. So, you know, there's a lot of people that say that dosing with CBD helps their sleep. Google it if you want to look into it. Um, so THC is another thing. And so just to... Uh, just I'll just mention this because I think it's kind of interesting. Just to preface this, you know, I, in when I was growing up into my 20s, I was very strict, no drugs, no alcohol type of person. I actually had wasn't even drunk. This might sound crazy to a lot of people, but I'd never felt the feeling of being drunk until I was 29. So that tells you that. There's been a lot of alcoholism in my family. Literally, I've had multiple family members die of alcohol cirrhosis of the liver, lots of really bad drunks in my family. I was always so terrified of that, that I would become that if I drank, that I just never drank. So in Canada, where I live, in BC, you can just go to the store and buy edible marijuana. They come in little gummies and stuff. So, you know, I always avoided this stuff. But maybe a few, you know, only a couple years ago, I'll just say this. I decided to... I wanted to be more open-minded, so I decided to try some of these things. And, you know, the first time I tried it, it was a bit of a weird experience because I realized that I'm very sensitive, especially to edibles. 
um, I got to be really careful. I took way too much. I actually took what would be a low dose to most people, and it was way too much for me. Um, I won't get into that story. It is kind of humorous what happened to me. Um, so through a little bit more experimentation, I've realized that if I take the equivalent of a microdose to most people, that that's enough to kind of calm my mind. So I don't do this all the time. I don't do this every day. Um, but I've realized now that I can kind of use those as a tool when my, when my anxiety gets very high. Like let's say I have this really ridiculous thing happening. I've had a lot of these really big problems over the last few years. And if you watch my videos, you might sort of understand why. Um, some really challenging situations. And, you know, that monkey brain, and it's just the anxiety rises and it completely stresses, up, stresses me out. I find that if I eat just a low dose THC gummy, only when it's really bad, that can, it takes the edge off that overthinking crazy part of my brain. Um, and I can sleep really easily. So I would never want to recommend this, to do this every day, because I, I, don't, I don't think it's good to become dependent on a substance to fall asleep. But I do think if you're going through a particularly hard time, that, you know, a microdose or a, a low dose of some of these things can be the difference between, you know, calming yourself down. Again, I realize that a lot of people won't like that I'm saying this because in your country or your place, it might actually be illegal and this is a very taboo topic. But where I live, it's actually not. It's very common. So that's about all I have to say about sleep right now. Thanks very much for that question. Hope you enjoyed the video. Um, if you have any other questions about this topic, you can leave a comment below or leave me an audio question. Otherwise, I hope you guys have a great day. See you later.